The Few Knots, episode 77. The one where we have fun storming the castle. The Few Knots Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you worm-ridden Theo vassals out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. <laughs> Together we are the, the Theo Notch. You had to add in worm-ridden there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's a great reference. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun one. It is. I think so. Yeah. Seeing as we showed up in the studio without a clue of what to talk about. Yes, today. but uh, <laughs> and it's probably gonna show. But hey, <laughs> you know it's been a busy couple of weeks. We oh, didn't man, it's crazy. Didn't have an episode last right, week. Yeah. So forgive us for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's finals week for school for me, and yeah. then starting up this uh, church is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you're busy, I'm busy. Yeah. Well and, and we moved you yes. into a new home. Right. New I house. moved into a new house. So it's just been crazy, crazy, crazy. Which is much bigger and nicer, by the way. Praise the Lord. Now I don't have to hear my yeah. two living teenagers when they wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway. So yeah, and and as you referenced, we uh we've actually planted a congregation here. Yes. In Savoy. We uh, go to the same church now, dude. Yeah, go figure. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> We're church members together. Yeah. Well, we've been church members forever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you Just, know, you know. Now we brothers from different mothers. That's right. <laughs> now we're part of the same local body, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's cool. So that's been going gangbusters, right? About a um, month now, almost. Yeah. So uh, that's still real exciting. Got a lot of things planned there. Yeah, God's God's really working. Check out if you uh, have a chance. Go check out David's sermon. On the church is a really good one. You can find that on our website. But man, uh, you know, I, I follow listen. the way dot org. Oh yeah, follow the way dot org is the website for the church. I was talking about the Great Commission transmission, which it's also oh yeah up there yeah gctnetwork.com. right. And uh, and so you know, it's it's really good. I actually listened to it today again, and there were several uh, of my students who are going, "Oh, that's pretty good, good teaching." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, he's <laughs> awesome." That's uh, that's my partner in crime, David. Yeah, so. All right. Well, anyway, um, do you want to just dive into this crazy topic? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Why not? So would you consider this a Christmas topic? Yes, I would. <laughs> it, it's going to kind of be, but... A ra- it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. It's a Christmas story gone awry. Right. Like, yeah, we're going to we're going to follow the rabbit the rabbit hole into Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the reason I do consider this a Christmas story is it's one of those actually really glanced over Christmas stories. A lot of people don't, you know, they're sitting at uh they're sitting at Christmas Eve around the Christmas tree and the dad goes, "All right, I will read you the Christmas story out of the Bible." And it it comes to this point 
and it's it's almost like it's just this little skipped over a little mm-hmm. nuance, <clears throat> but it was a huge deal. I mean, it was so big that I mean, people died, yes. and so it's uh, it's important to, and that's why I thought it'd be good to start off there. Um, Matthew chapter two. So do you want right. me to just yeah, just lay it on us? Okay, Matthew chapter two. Um, uh, verse 3, let's start with verse 3, and I'm going to read this out of the uh, ESV. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Judea with, or Judea, well, Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you uh, shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, of course, this is the story of the wise men. We've all heard yeah, this. Okay? Yeah. Verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and uh, ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. <laughs> and and listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him then, opening their treasures. They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And that's usually where the dad stops, puts away the book, and that's it. Verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord had spoken from the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time he had ascertained from the wise men. Yeah. So there's this up there. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Every male (laughs) child in Bethlehem was slaughtered today. Right? And... Wow, it's, it's not funny. No, it's it's horrible, right? But it's it's wow. right. Uh, a voice. Uh, this is fulfilled. A spoken prophet Jeremiah. A voice is heard in Rama, which uh, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. It's this horrible story in the middle of this beautiful story, right? From this evil king, yeah, Herod. So. From that, we come up on this subject. Who was this guy, Herod? Mm-hmm. What? Who are the Herods? Uh, because you and I were discussing in, in Scripture, Herod is actually mentioned a lot. Yes. Not only Herod, but other names. Antipas, right? Yes. Uh, um, Philip. Philip, right? Uh, and so... Felix. Felix. Agrippa. Yeah. All of these. And they... Uh, 
a lot of people think, oh, this is the same guy, Herod, right? <laughs> so we need to break down this whole idea of who the Herods yeah. were, what they represented, all that the stuff. The Herodian dynasty. It's, I mean, this is, is uh, they played a large part in our New Testament. Oh, a huge part, they, yeah. They, they're, they're, they're scattered all throughout the gospel uh, uh, writings. They're scattered throughout the book of Acts. Yeah. Uh, we've got all these references to these people, and, and um, many times the scripture just uses the word Herod. Right. And we think, oh, it's the same guy. Yeah. Uh, but if we'll notice where you stopped reading, the very next verse says, but when Herod died, so Jesus is still a baby, when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. So Herod's family is actually responsible for Jesus being raised in the Galilean area. Right. So, I mean, there's all kinds of... Oh, man, there's so much. Okay, cool we could here. talk about the okay. temple, we could talk about all this stuff. Yeah, but so, let's do a history. Is that what we need to do? Well, we'll do that, but okay. I, however we do this, it's going to be confusing. It's going to be confusing for you, the <laughs> listeners. It's going to be confusing for us in here because this is an inbred family. <laughs> To say the least. And, and and there's all kinds of wacky stuff going on here. Yeah. Um, I first did this study years ago. Um, my wife and I and our kids went to uh, Israel in 2007. And we did this huge, vast, sweeping uh, whirlwind tour of Israel and um, uh, Jordan and Egypt. But while we were in Israel, one of the things that just kept coming up was Herod the Great. Herod the Great. Yeah. And the reason why is because he built all kinds of stuff. Yeah. He he built the uh the the temple that Jesus was would have been familiar with. Right. Uh, that temple was uh re- rebuilt on the the remains of the um first temple. Well the first temple second was, temple. Yeah, I'm sorry. second temple was was rebuilt by Ezra and Nehemiah. Right, over, exactly. Okay. Herod comes along refurbishes, builds it, expands the Temple Mount. It, it just goes huge yeah. Okay, when Herod gets all it. Well, the reason why Herod is called Herod the Great is because he's a he's a builder, right? Yes. And everything he does are these big, great He left a legacy. Projects. Yeah. A legacy in stone, man. I mean, yeah. it's like everywhere over there. And not, and it's not just... It's it's almost unfathomable how this was accomplished because the 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 like the stones that make up the Temple Wall are like... Four foot by eight foot. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. And they are laser precision cut. Right. Like, I mean, you can't even put a piece of paper between many of the, the like the Wailing Wall, which has been exposed to the weather for years and years and right. years. There is paper stuck between the, cracks. the cracks where people are putting prayers, but that's only because it's weathered. Right. If you go underground and tour the wall under where they're just now excavating it, the the bricks are so close together you can't get a piece of paper in between them. Right. It's and they're huge. They all weigh like two, three tons of piece. Well, we're talking about like forty three BC here. Yes. Right? <laughs> no, they didn't have cranes. No. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't have you know lasers. Right. 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 Um, right. So, but but anyway, okay. Not only did he build the temp the the temple mount, he also built 
uh, many cities. He built Caesarea Philippi, which is where he had uh, one of his palaces he lived in, right. was at Caesarea Philippi. And uh, I'm sorry, not Caesarea Philippi, uh, Caesarea. So there's, there's two different ones. <laughs> Caesarea Philippi is in Dan. Caesarea is actually on the coast of the, of the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. It's a port city and there is right. a there's a hippodrome there uh, where you know they do games oh yeah yeah and all that yeah, sort of thing yeah, yeah. chariot races and all right. that okay uh, there's a huge amphitheater yeah. there uh, a lot of that a lot of Caesarea is like underwater now right isn't it like there is uh, but... no but the but everything is has been destroyed by the Turks and years oh, okay, later I mean okay. it's been the, uh, almost leveled to the ground all the statues have their heads cut off yeah. So anyway, this was a very Hellenistic city that he built. Yeah. And it's because they were big time into the Romans. Yeah. They, he was trying to, he even named it after Caesar, right? Sure. Caesarea. So um, um, he had, his palace was not even on the actual land. They built into the ocean. So the only way to get into the to, right. to this palace was uh, the front door, which is on the land. Everything else was in the sea. And he had huge breakers put into the ocean to stop the waves. So he had a nice, peaceful, serene. That's what I remember. I, I watched the History Channel on this yeah, one time. I was just crazy. amazed, like blown away, that he was able to do that way back, you know, mm-hmm. in the, the BC. You know? Another huge accomplishment was Masada. Masada was oh a, yeah, the a, fortress is a desert fortress that he built as a refuge. So if things got rough and he had to flee Judea. He had a place to go. Yeah. It's down by the Dead Sea, and it's on the top of a mesa. And it is almost impenetrable. Right. Okay. Uh, he built the huge walls on the top of this mesa out in the middle of the desert. And uh, Well, that's where the Jews made their final stand in the uprising. Yes, the, the revolt uh, came to an end in 7280, I believe, right. there at Masada. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But uh, So let's back up. This is Herod the Great. Yeah. Well, let's talk about his father. Let's let's do a kind of a linear thing. So, okay. Let's talk so, about Herod uh, Antipater. Yes. A- Antipater, the first. Right. First, and he he actually wasn't from what I'm reading. He wasn't the king, but he was basically the the beginning of this whole thing. So before the Herodian dynasty, there was uh, the um, Hasmonean. Uh, Hasmonean dynasty. Okay. Yes. The Hasmonean dynasty ruled uh, Judea. Um, all, all about a hundred years. Right. And they, they ruled for about a hundred years until the Roman, uh, uh, Roman, sorry, nation takeover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> till the Roman takeover. So the Romans came in, destroyed them about that time. Um, and, Antipater was one of the Roman advisors, okay, um, and because of that, he was a he was a helper of Pompey the Great. He was part of uh, um, he was part of uh, Pompey's conquering of Judea, mm-hmm. and so when Julius <coughs> Caesar defeated Pompey, Antipater rescued Jews, uh, rescued Caesar in Alexandria, was made chief minister of Judea. He had two sons, okay. Yes. He ends up. Uh, basically ruling, but not ruling as a king. But uh, he was a pro-Roman. He was he. Like, these guys were all focused on yes. Hellenistic Roman society. They were not Jewish uh, in any any certain certain of the matter until they became Jewish religiously. Right. Um, and then his son, uh, which was Herod the Great, assumed kingship 
um, uh, right after uh, the assassination of Caesar. Um, Which would have been right around 40... No, he wasn't born until 37. So, yeah. I think it was like 60-something <clears throat> that he was assassinated. Anyways, so uh, Herod the Great is made king of this whole, whole realm, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he uses the position. The very first thing he does is marry the Hasmonean princess, uh, Mary Armne, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and then has her killed and her son killed. So he kills off the <laughs> two whole. Two sons. Yeah, two sons killed. So he kills off the whole Hasmonean dynasty, right? Yes. Right there. Takes care of that and he sets up the Herodian dynasty. Yeah. So, that's so now these at. these Herodians, they're they're not they're as you said, they're not Jewish. No. They're Idiomaean, which means and the in the in our in our Bibles we know those people as Edomites. Edomites, yeah. Okay, so th- these are the guys from Edom. <laughs> okay, the, okay, people from Edom were not buddies. No. With the Jews. They were dirty people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what it was was um, Judea wasn't seen as conquered as much as it was seen as... Um, the, the Romans wanted to 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 endear themselves sure they do. to they always do to their that, conquered yeah. nation, right. uh, and so th- what they did was they set up this vassal uh, kingdom. Right. So a vassal kingdom ba- is basically basically a king in name. Yeah. But he really has no power. Right. He has wealth. He has political power, but he doesn't really have any ability to make decisions or. What not? He doesn't have an army behind him. He doesn't have any anything right. like that. He appeals to Rome. He's that's a king really in name only. that's really what what's going on. The Romans picked locals, gave them a kingship, and let them rule over Judea. Right. Okay. So this did not fare well with the Jewish natives for two reasons. One, they were Edomites. Right. <laughs> two, they were they they were partial to Rome. Yeah. And they served Rome. And Rome was the enemy. Now these these um, these 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 Edomites, they in order to try and endear themselves to the Jewish people, they became proselytes. So they were they became they became Jewish Jews. religious. Yeah, they weren't Jews by race. They became Jews by religion. Yes. Okay. And then Herod the Great. Um, part of the reason why he's referred to as the Great is because he built this temple. In order to endear himself right. to the Jewish sects, who were by this time very religious and very high-minded, the the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, oh, yeah. all those guys, they were already in place at this point. So Herod was endearing himself to them to some degree by enlarging their temple. Right. It's basically a gift to them. And it was almost like this. Okay, I'm going to give you this brand new temple. You don't look at me and what I'm living in my lifestyle, my <laughs> my uh, Hellenistic lifestyle, which was full of decadence and full of yeah. uh, full of sex and idolatry and all this other stuff. Oh, but I'm a Jew, yeah. and here's your temple. You scratch my <laughs> back, I scratch yours. Exactly. That's kind of how they how they went with the Sanhedrin. Sure. So um, now during this time, uh, we we read of Herod here at the birth of Jesus. This is Herod the Great that we're talking about right. here, um, and he is a bad guy. I mean, obviously, he's slaying all these children. Now, there's a reason why he does this. I mean, it's a very important to him because he's not a true king. Right. 
He was placed there by the Romans. And he knows he's not. He has no right to the throne through bloodline or anything else. So there's a prophecy saying that a king was going to be born. And by the way, these magi, which I think we should probably do... A Magi study? A Magi episode, Haven't we too. done that? Well, we talked about it, I think, but we didn't actually do the whole thing. Okay, okay. So, the the Magi were kingmakers. Right. So, th- so they show up in the town going, hey, where's the... Where's, we're here to make the king. Where's the king we're supposed to crown? <laughs> okay, well, he doesn't want to hear that. So, so that's why he's trying to put the kibosh right. on, on this. Um, Very Jewish word, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, what his, what is he, as you mentioned... He married for political reasons. Oh, yeah. He actually married several women. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he had uh, 10 marriages. He had 15 children total. Right. So now he married Miriamne, two, actually two women by that same name, Miriamne one and Miriamne two. <laughs> the first one was the granddaughter of a high priest. Which so she was Jewish, and so the idea was here. I'm going to build this Jewish bloodline. It's going to make the Jews happy. Right. But then he gets freaked out because of all these prophecies about a king and yeah. a Jewish king and all that. And so he ends up killing her and the two sons. Yeah. That he had uh, by her, which were was uh, Antipater the third and Alexander. Uh, he executed both of them. Mm. Um so um so anyway you've got this 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 thing going on with with him now here's one thing to note that a practice that the Herodians did that was also a very common practice in the Roman Empire and this is why this bloodline gets very confusing Oh yeah it was very popular to marry your niece <laughs> and I don't know why it went like that but it was always the uncle to the niece <laughs> so you would so odd. you would have these kids you would wait till they had kids and then you'd marry one or you know whatever right. so it was so weird wait till your brother had a daughter and then go marry that daughter right so the bloodline gets very messed up here very quickly so uh first let's okay while we're talking about um Herod you got Herod the great died and his son Archelaus took over the one that Joseph feared. We don't read much about um, Archelaus. Uh, there's not, you know, there's not just a whole lot in there. There's no scripture really on him except for that. Um, but um, <clears throat> his brother Antipas actually ends up on the throne. Right. Now uh, Antipas is the guy that we are most familiar with in scripture when we talk about Herod. He's the Herod that, that Jesus goes up uh, has to go and, and appear before after uh, uh, Pilate sends him to Herod. Correct. We've right. got references to Antipas that begins in uh, Luke 23 and 7, um, where it says, And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. Uh, so that is talking about Jesus right. being sent over there to him. But, um, well, before that, in Matthew 14, we have this whole thing with um, uh, <clears throat> a, a different king, Philip. <laughs> okay, it's getting very hairy. Is this Philip the uh, first or uh, Philip the second? Philip the first. Okay. Okay, wait, 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 let's, let's back up for a second. So, <laughs> so Antipas, Her, Antip, Herod Antipas yes. marries a right. woman by the name of Herodias. Yeah, Herodias. Okay. Um, now... Antipas is also mentioned um, 
before we get into the Philip thing, he's mentioned as Jesus specifically talks about him in, in, in Mark 8 and 15. He says, he's, Jesus is, is saying, oh, and he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, the leaven of Herod, the Pharisees would have been the leaven, the, the sin of the Pharisees would have been self-righteousness right. and that sort of thing. But, this, but the leaven of Herod, the sin of Herod... Oh, the decadence. Was decadence, and, yeah. it was, and it was also living this double life. Right. You're saying one thing, but you're doing something right. else. Yeah. And so that was what Jesus was talking about. Um, Herod wants to meet Jesus in Luke 9. This is Herod Antipas. He wants to meet Jesus. Um Jesus is warned by the Pharisees of Herod. They actually say, you know, uh, in Luke 13, uh, verse 31, it says, And at that same hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, I finish my course. So Jesus didn't have a lot of good things to say about Antipas. He called him a fox. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Herod actually does meet Jesus, uh, whenever, um, the whole pilot thing happens and that's in Luke 23, uh, seven through 15. Um, when ever, it says in verse eight, when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. Yeah. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. And the chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he, he sent him back to Pilate. <laughs> and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. Yeah. For before this, they had been at enmity with each other. Okay, so let's talk. That's interesting. Let's talk about that relationship for just a second. Sure. Okay, so you've got Pilate is governor. Yeah. Now, he doesn't want to be there. Right. <laughs> Okay, he does. Judea is an armpit of the empire. Right. He doesn't want to be there. It's it's a good trade route and it's a land that's disputed. So he has to go there. Right. And he doesn't want to be there. So what he's up against is this snotty guy, this this arrogant, lascivious uh, king yeah. who doesn't belong on the throne anyway. Right. That he has to deal with. Right. So there's this. Sure, sure. And, you know, uh, to better equate this, it's kind of like um, England. Okay, so you have uh, the Queen of England, who's a figurehead, and then you have the Prime Minister, who's, who's doing yes. all the real work. Okay? <laughs> right. So this is, uh, this is Pilate, who's, who's doing all the real work, and then the King, who's a figurehead, but the King is just... <laughs> Like like you said, he's he's just this decadent ruler that pretty much does whatever he wants and gives people <laughs> money in order to you know pass the time. So, yeah, he's a uh, messed up guy. Go ahead. Okay, so um, you've got this other Herod um, named Philip. Yeah, Herod Philip. Okay, now now Philip is. Let me get this straight. Make sure I've got the Philip the first is Herod the Great's son. So From, he's, so he's Antipas's brother. Right, from okay. Cleopatra. Yes. Now remember, Antipas had... No, this is different Philip. Phil, the, the, we'll get to the Philip from Cleopatra in a minute. This, this one's from Maryam. Maryam name. Uh, that's right. I'm so, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so this Philip, he, he, uh, he takes his brother's wife, Herodias. Right. Okay, so Antipas is married to Herodias. Philip takes her. And uh, so we have this in Matthew 14, 
uh, it says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch uh, heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, uh, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these uh, miraculous powers are working are wor- at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him, put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Okay, so you've got Herodias and Philip have the same wife. Right. I don't know exactly how that that relationship <laughs> happened, but uh, and they're still alive at the same time. Yes, so this is Antipas, right? And, um, and and Philip and Philip. So which one's ruling? Uh, Antipas. Okay. Okay. So uh, yeah, that's right. That's so right. so and Herod is. How is he cool with this? But anyway, <laughs> it says in they verse, share a wife. Yes, verse three. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, who's basically his wife too. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they had held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So he promised that with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Okay, now it could have been that Herodias was Philip's wife first. It could have been. And then Herod said, well, I'm the king. I'm taking whoever I want. That may have been how this went down. But however it happened, uh, Herodias is the shared woman. And she has a daughter through Philip named Salome. Right. Now, now the scriptures don't name her. It just says uh, this, this woman who danced. But the, uh, historically, we know that this is, this is, is Salome. And uh, so anyway, um, her mother, Herodias... Uh, said to uh, prompted her to say, "Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter." And the king was sorry, King Herod was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Okay, <laughs> so we have this whole thing happening here uh, between. Uh, this whole thing with Herodias, uh, Salome, and Philip the First, Philip the Tetrarch. Right. Okay. Now, to make matters worse, Herod the Great had another son named Philip. So he had two sons named Philip. Right. Um, and he had Antipas. The second son named Philip, we read about him very briefly. In Luke 3, let me find him here, verse 1, it says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate began governing, governor, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria, and Trichononitus, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. So it's just listing here the people that were in power. One of them was Philip, this guy Philip. Right. Now, Philip is the son of Herod the Great and Cleopatra. Right. Now that's, we that's the Philip. Now we don't know if this Cleopatra is the same Cleopatra from Egypt. Right. A lot of people think that. Uh, well, she's called by Josephus uh, Cleopatra of Jerusalem. Um, 
But Josephus also makes a comment later on that the Cleopatra, the actual Cleopatra the seventh, uh, the queen of Egypt, mm-hmm. uh, had relations somehow with Herod when Mark Antony was away. Uh, <laughs> so we don't know if this is Cleopatra, as in Cleopatra from Jerusalem that Herod married, or if this is Cleopatra the seventh. Right, uh, but it'd be in you know either way. Okay, it's, it's some kind of Cleopatra. So Herod with Cleopatra has this guy Philip. Right now, Philip, this Philip, marries Salome, his niece. Okay, <laughs> so Philip the first right marries or marries Herodias, who Antipas also marries, and has Philip has Salome, who marries her uncle Philip. <laughs> And this is a very Roman thing to do, right? Oh, wow. Okay. So messed up. But this is the reason why John the Baptist basically gets beheaded. Yes. And, uh, and of course, we can read that in uh, Matthew 14. Mark 6 as well uh, talks about that whole situation. Okay. So, but Herod had other kids. Right. That that lead into even uh, crazier um, lineage. That, I mean, we're not through in scripture with these Herods. Right. They they keep popping up. Okay, so Herod has a son named um, Aristobulus. Uh, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Pronounce it. Aristobulus. <laughs> we don't have much of him in scripture at all. Right. Uh, but he has um, he has a, a another he has a child named Herod Agrippa, the, okay. the first. Okay. So now Herod Agrippa then is Herod the Great's grandson. Okay, now, all these children are happening very fast because because between the time of Jesus and the time of Paul, we've been able to go a generation. Um, So we've got uh, King Agrippa I. Um, Now, he's not in Scripture much except for in two places. Okay. Well, it's really only Acts 12. Mentions Agrippa the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Acts twelve talks about um, first off the first real martyr was um, that of James, and that's in Acts twelve. Uh, let me go there right quick. So Acts the first four verses there says during the same time King Herod began to mistreat some who belonged to the church. Now, this is Agrippa the first, even though it says Herod. <laughs> so, he is a Herod. Right. Okay, so he began to mistreat some who belonged to the church, and he ordered James, the brother of John, to be killed by the sword. Herod saw that some of the people liked this, so he decided to arrest Peter too. This happened during the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After Herod arrested Peter, he put him in jail and handed him over to be guarded by 16 soldiers. Herod planned to bring Peter before the people for trial after the Passover feast. So Peter was kept in jail, but the church prayed earnestly to God for him. Yes. Okay, and of course we know that Peter gets um, mystically, yeah. magically <laughs> removed from, from... Rescued, yeah. Yeah. So uh, mir- miraculously, a better, right. better term, uh, freed from, from jail. So, but this is this guy, uh, Herod Agrippa the right. first. Now... The he he has a very short reign because uh, verse twenty one of the same chapter 
Actually, let's back up uh, to 19. Herod looked everywhere for him, but could not find him. Okay, so this is when Peter escapes. So he questioned the guards and ordered that they be killed. Later, Herod moved from Judea and went to the city of Caesarea, where he stayed. Okay, so that's obvious. That's right. the, 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 place, the place on the sea that his the grandpa made. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but the people of those cities all came in a group to him. And after convincing Blastus, the king's personal servant, to be on their side, they asked Herod Agrippa for peace because their country got its food from his country. On a chosen day, Herod put all on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to the people, and they shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a human. <laughs> because Herod did not give that glory to God, an angel of the Lord immediately caused him to become sick, and he was eaten by worms and died. Oh, yeah. Hence, worm-ridden. Right. God's message continued to spread and reach people. Um so anyway, we have here the beginning and the end in Scripture of of, of uh, um, Agrippa. Yes, Agrippa the first. Um, so now this Agrippa the first, before the worms got to him, he managed to have two children. Yeah, and uh, they these brothers. We read about them also in reference to being uh, in charge of things right. in the area, and that is Herod Agrippa the second. And Felix. Felix. Yes. The cat. <laughs> the cat. No, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we can read about Agrippa the second in um, Acts 24. Uh, actually, Acts 25. Sorry. So let me flip over there right quick. So Acts 25, we have Paul is in prison and he's brought before, quote unquote, King Agrippa. This is son of the guy who got eaten by worms. Right. So uh, Agrippa II. Um, so this is Acts 25, beginning in verse 13. It says, A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to visit Festus. And they stayed there for some time, and Festus told the king about Paul's case. Festus said, There is a man that Felix left in prison. Felix is King Agrippa's brother. Right. When I went to Jerusalem... The leading priests and the elders there made charges against him, asking me to sentence him to death. But I answered, when a man is accused of a crime, Romans do not hand him over until he has been allowed to face his accusers and defend himself against their charges. So when these people came here to Caesarea for the trial, did not waste time. The next day, I sat on the judge's seat and commanded that the man be brought in. They stood up and accused him, but not of any serious crime as, as, thought, as I thought they would. And the things they said were about their own religion and about a man named Jesus who died. But Paul said <laughs> that he's still alive. And not knowing how to find out about these questions, I asked Paul, "Do you want me? Do you want to go to Jerusalem and be judged there?" But he kept. But he asked to be kept in Caesarea. He wants a decision from the emperor, so I ordered that he be held until I could send him to Caesar. And Agrippa said to Festus, "I would also like to hear this man myself." Festus said, tomorrow you will hear them. Well, the next day, Agrippa and Bernice, his, Agrippa's wife, appeared with a great show, acting like they were very important people. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, they're vassal kings. They, right. They, they don't have any real no power. power. Yeah. So, <laughs> they went into judgment room with the army leaders 
and the important men of Caesarea. Then Festus ordered the soldiers to bring Paul in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all of those who are gathered here with us, you see this man. All the people here in Jerusalem have complained to me about him, shouting that, they should, that he should not live any longer. And when I judged him, I found no reason to order his death. But since he asked to be judged by Caesar, I decided to send him. But I have nothing definite to write the emperor about him. So I have brought him before all of you, especially you, King Agrippa, and I hope you can uh, question him and give me something to write. I think it is foolish to send a prisoner to Caesar without telling what charges are against him. So anyway, you've got all this that's going on, and um, in verse or chapter 26, you got Agrippa uh, hearing Paul out, and there's that whole um, "you've almost convinced me." Yeah. to be a Christian uh, statement. Uh, Felix was in this story. He's his brother uh, set up apart to rule over this area right. uh, that that he's in. And um, he's married to a woman by the name of Drusilla. And we read that in Acts 24, the previous chapter. Uh, it says, After some days, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in, in Christ Jesus. So... Um, so anyway, um, and so he was there. He was held there by Felix for two years, right? Before all this, he heard him and then just held him there. All this happened. Yeah. So uh, the weird thing is that um, in this in this whole lineage, you've got um, you've got the uh, Agrippa and um, and well, and let's see. Oh, I misspoke. Felix is not Agrippa's brother. It's his brother-in-law. Drusilla is is the actual daughter <laughs> okay. of, Herod, of Herod Agrippa the Dude, first. Dude, I'm going to have to look at a diagram in order to understand Oh, you can't even figure it out by looking yeah, at the diagram. It's crazy. Because the lines keep crossing because you have many uh, situations. You have this Herodias that we talked about earlier. She also, she is the daughter of... Okay, before Philip and Antipas were fighting over Herodias, yeah, it's also interesting to note that they were they both of them are her uncles. Yeah, so <laughs> so they're both fighting over she, their niece. She is actually the daughter of Aristobulus and Bernice the first. So actually, Herodias and Agrippa the first, their brother and sister. So messed up. Yeah, it is like a tangled web. Yeah, and and what's really interesting is that God used this messed up deviant family. Yeah, to to uh, arrange His purposes from Jesus's birth to Jesus's death to Paul to Paul. I mean, it's it, they're integrated into the whole story, right? And even His people. Yeah, whenever the the revolt ends, it ends at Masada, right? That that Herod built. Now, just a just quick rundown on that. What happened was, as the revolt was coming to an end, the last of the revolutionaries, the Jewish revolutionaries, fled Jerusalem, and they hold up in Masada because it's on the top of this mountain. It's a fortress. It's a fortress, right? They get up there and they fortify themselves in in it's their Alamo, right? And that's exactly what it turned into. the The Romans came after them. And we went to Masada, stood on the on on the top of it, looking down and everything. And you can still see the ramparts 
that were built by the Romans to get to it. Wow. Because this this place was really only accessible on foot yeah. individually. And so they, you couldn't bring war machines. You couldn't do any of that stuff. So, And you had this huge walls all the way around it. So what, what they did was um, the Romans camped out at the base of the Mesa. And they didn't have any clean water. They're right there by the Dead Sea. There's no clean water. There's right. no food. And so they're just down there uh, suffering because they can't get into the fortress. And the Jews in the fortress are taunting them from the wall. Yeah. Throwing pieces of bread down the mountain. Right. And going, hey, would you like some food? You know, because <laughs> because Herod had stocked this place. It, right. it had it was at, they could live there for the rest of their lives. Right. Uh, on it. Well, the 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 Romans were not to be messed with. Yeah. They spent to say the least. I can't I, I want to say it was a month building a ramp out of dirt from their camp to the top of that mesa. Right. And rolled their war machines right. and their ladders that they could that they could conquer the wall in. And when it, and the Jews sat there and they just had to watch the whole thing. Right. And they'd been taunting them this whole time. Right. So they knew the minute that they broke in it was done. That they would be slaves, their women would be <laughs> raped. That, right. I mean that all this yeah. so on right on the day before the siege, because they knew it was it was coming, they got together and decided to end their own lives. Right. And so, uh, like, a couple of people were in charge of being the last ones to take their... The, they would kill... You would kill your family and, your, and and that sort of thing. Right. And then your brother would kill you. I mean, that's the way they had kind of planned it out. It comes down to the last people killed themselves. And so, by this time, the Romans have been working on this thing a month. They are fuming. They are ready. Yeah. To, to just slaughter these people, right? They come through the walls, and everyone's dead. Right. And so they had no no reward or anything. No release. I mean, it, it was, was just, just a horrible, horrible buildup. Yeah. So sad. But all that was possible because right. of Herod's architecture and, and all that sort of stuff. When we talk about Herod, here's, here's what I, I see out of this whole thing. This is my, my take on it. Number one, you're right, the sovereignty of God. Is a huge thing, you know. Mm-hmm. He used that messed up thing. But then the other thing I keep looking at is this is the world's what the world has to offer. This is the world's best as far as kingship. Yes, and they use the word vassal king, right? Mm-hmm. Which is basically a figurehead and nothing more. And the more I think about it, we're all va- all all of our countries are vassal kings. Yes. Yes. Right? Really, we have no power. None mm-hmm. of us. There's only one true king. And mm-hmm. that's uh, that's where I, I want to go. So I'm looking at Luke uh, chapter 1 when the angel comes to Mary, right? Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 1 and go, uh, go to verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
I, I love that. Wow. You know, and this is an angel calling Jesus great. You know, <laughs> right. we have Herod the Great who built all these things, but how much, how much more great is Jesus? Right, right, whose kingdom never ends. I mean, we can look at all all these different verses. You have in Revelation. 1960 when he comes to conquer right for the final time and set up his his kingdom for forever on his robe and on his thigh is written king of kings lord, lord of lords. lords he is the king uh revelation 17:14 these will wage war against the lamb the lamb will overcome them because he is the lord of lords and king of kings and those who are with him will be called chosen and faithful Right? Yeah. Uh, you have Isaiah uh, 9-6, the prophecy of Jesus' birth. For unto us a child is born, his, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Right? Um, <laughs> you, you have all these different images of Jesus as a king. Right. And, and when he stands before Pilate, and Pilate says, are, are you a king? And Jesus <laughs> says, yes, I am. My kingdom is not of this world. See, this world is passing away. Where is Herod the Great today? He's dust, right? Yeah. yeah. And his soul's probably, I'm imagining in hell. Uh, I don't know <laughs> how many uh, children you have to kill in order to get there, but he's done his fair share, right? He's nothing. He's brought to nothing. He's mm-hmm. brought to dust. Uh, All he left was some really well-cut stones exactly. that are still holding together. And we marvel at these things, and they are great. But, you know, one day they'll melt like wax compared oh, to yes. Christ. Yes. And that's the, that's the truth. And it means nothing in the long run. Right. When Jesus stands at the temple, what does he say? I tell you the truth, not one stone will stand upon another. Yep. Right? What does he mean by that? This kingdom, this Herod the Great who gives you this this quote-unquote temple, mm-hmm. this temple's not going to last. But my temple, my temple's going to last forever. Yeah. Right? And that's that's the truth. So Well, and you know whenever the temple was dismounted, dismantled. Um because okay, here's I don't know there's a little piece of trivia. Whenever the temple was burned, in 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 uh, 70, seventy A.D., mm-hmm. whenever this this revolt was happening, and and uh, I believe it was Titus Andronicus who uh, was in charge of of the Romans that were doing this. So they um, they were wanting to salvage the temple because it had gold in all oh, this, yeah. right? Yeah, but what happened was Jesus had prophesied not one stone would be left on on another. Right. Okay. Well, this doesn't really fit into the Roman plans. However, somebody, through all the chaos, tossed a torch into the temple windows. And this caught all the draperies and all that in there on fire. Yeah. And it actually burned so hot, like an oven, because it's made out of stone. Right. It burned so hot, all the gold melted. Wow. And the only way the Romans could reclaim the gold that was in the temple was to dismantle it brick by brick. <laughs> and they tore it completely down brick by brick wow. to get the gold out of it. And it, to this day, you can see the piles of stones from the temple because they pushed it off the temple mount. Right. They just took the stones and pushed them off, and they're still in a big pile beside the temple wow. mount where uh, where they were discarded wow so wow that, that's amazing to me you know his prophecy was right and the, but the truth is 
that uh, that Jesus is thrown lasts forever. So yes. that's the one that we pay homage to. That's the one we really call great. And you know, and all of that killing of the children and all that amounted to nothing. Right. The king still sits on the throne. Exactly. They couldn't stop him. Right. Herod tried his best, mm-hmm. and he couldn't stop him. You know. Wow. So. Herod the Great couldn't stop it. That's right. <laughs> Who are we? Amen, man. So, you got some news? Hey, sure. And now the news. So, did you know Hugh Jackman's going to play a uh, Paul? No, I did not know that. Yes, in a biblical epic called The Apostle Paul, he's going to start playing. And uh, I guess Hugh Jackman's kind of—he uh, says he's a Christian. He he claims Christ. Darren so Aronofsky doing this one. I don't know who's doing it. We need to look and see. Uh, but he discusses the the role um, when when he was doing Pan, I guess. Uh, he opened up about his marriage, his career, and notably his faith. He says, I'm a Christian. I was brought up very religious. I used to go uh, to different evangelist revival tents all the time when I was about 13. I had a weird premonition that I was going to be on stage like the preachers I saw. He went on to describe stage acting as almost a religious experience. So uh, he uh, he believes that uh, he 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 talks about chariots of fire, and he says, "Yeah, you know, when Eric uh, Little uh, says when I run, I feel his uh, pleasure. He says when I act, I feel his pleasure. Right? Which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love good. Hugh Jackman, man. Uh, my favorite role he's ever done, bar none, Jean uh, Jean, Jean Valjean. Yeah, yeah, right? from uh, Les Miserables. Yes, oh my goodness. Which, by the way, just a shameless plug for our our, our brothers up there in Tennessee, yeah. Finding Christ in Cinema. If you have not heard the episode on Les Miserables, go look that up. It is phenomenal. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's a good pattern for oh, Christ. Yeah. So there was no problem one. finding Christ in it, but they did a great job of bringing it out. Explaining it. That's great, man. Yeah, uh, so Hugh Jackman's going to be Paul. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, uh, Wolverine. Hopefully well, you know, he'll have some claws I to made, go with it. I made that joke about Darren Aronofsky, but it's funny enough, I didn't even think about this, but uh, Hugh Jackman was in The Fountain. Which is a Darren Aaron? Oh, really? Film. <laughs> I didn't. I've never seen the. Fountain, Which is a so. spiritual, oh, yeah. you know, huh. type of thing. It makes know? sense. Well, wow, so, weird. All right, uh, talking of weird, C.S. Lewis was really a secret agent. <laughs> no, really, it's crazy. Okay. I knew it all along. <laughs> yeah, this is from Relevant Magazine. They actually stole it from Christianity Today. Uh, in a long form article published by Christianity Today. Poe explains that Britain needed to invade Iceland because it provided uh, the ideal base for seaplanes and search for German naval vessels. But the Brit's success in Iceland hinged on keeping the goodwill of the Icelandic people. That's where C.S. Lewis came in. MI6, like the actual MI6, right? James Bond. Yes, commissioned Lewis to broadcast to Iceland and win the hearts of the people. (laughs) Poe writes... He said he did not know why he had been asked to address the people of Iceland, but that he agreed to do it in order to repay a great debt. He explained that his imaginative life had been awakened by Norse mythology when he was 14. He went on to explain how his love of Norse mythology only deepened when he began to learn the Icelandic language at Oxford. Lewis made no mention and kept no record of these recordings, but Poe, a major Lewis buff, found the recording on eBay being sold by a dealer in Iceland. 
Wow. So there you have it. C.S. Lewis was the a secret guy. agent. Yeah. Wow. And is now affiliate, officially the coolest novelist, lecturer, and lay theologian the world has ever seen. Secret Narnia. <laughs> secret Narnia. Come in, Wormwood. Come in, Wormwood. <laughs> <laughs> this is screw tape. Yeah, that's so awesome, man. That's, that's great. I don't know if he's the greatest though. Bonhoeffer was pretty cool. Just, just yeah, to say. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So I've got some Pope news. Oh, you do. All right. Furthering a thaw in relations that began 50 years ago, the Vatican has released a new document about Catholics' historic ties with Jews, whom Pope Benedict once called the Church's fathers in faith. Among the panel's conclusions, Jews don't need to be converted to find salvation. So the Catholics have come out and said that the Jews don't need to be converted to be saved. <laughs> they don't need Jesus. Yeah, they don't need Jesus. So okay. Jews without Jesus. So the uh, while affirming salvation through the explicit or even implicit faith in Christ, the Vatican document reads, the church does not question the continued love for God for the chosen people of Israel. Titled, The Gifts and Calling of God are Irrevocable, the 10,000-word document calls for Jews and Christians to work together to make the world a better place by combating poverty and human suffering. But wait a second. Is what, he, is what they're really saying... Is that if you believe in Jesus as the Messiah, you don't have to be a Catholic? Is that what they're saying? No, 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 no. They're saying that you can just practice. If you believe in God, if you're a good person, the continued oh, love of oh. God for the chosen people of Israel. Gotcha. Well, you know, that's jacked up, though. That is jacked up. Yeah, because it's completely. <laughs> well, because it's a work based exactly. premise. Right. It, so. it all. But, I mean, the. Catholic religion comes from worth based. Yeah, there's background. a lot of that there. So. A lot of that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, the seven, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. So, anyways, yeah. So, Pope uh, just sent all the Jews to heaven. <laughs> Wish I was a Jew. <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> Head pulled that out in a while. All right. And this day in Christian history. Oh, yes. We'll get in the. Uh, in the TARDIS. In the TARDIS, fire it up there. For yeah, hang on, let me Doctor crank it up here a little bit. I got it going. <laughs> We're almost there. It's, whoa, it's, whoa, it's bigger whoa. on the inside. Yeah, it's a lot bigger on the inside. Okay. All right, the Bill of Rights that guaranteed religious liberty was ratified today. Did oh. It? Yeah. In uh, 1787, a convention in Philadelphia drafted what is usually recognized as the most extraordinary political document in history, the Constitution of the United States. Later on, uh, on this day, December 15, 1791, the Bill of Rights was ratified. It is significant to church history because of the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. This amendment was a revolt, result of a long centuries of effort by religious groups such as the Quakers and Baptists to attain religious liberty. I had to throw the Baptists Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can thank me for religious freedom later. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so today the uh, Bill it's of Rights It's a curse, by the way. It's a, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. Okay, explain yourself. What, religious freedom? Yeah. We have so much religious freedom that we're complacent. That's very true. It is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You win this round. 
Wow. I think we've exhausted everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we're consistently getting some uh, voicemail. That's good. Hello, my Theo friends. This is Ron, and I was Ron the driving on the way home listening to your podcast, and uh, just wanted to chime in with a, a little bit of an opinion or a few thoughts. i tell you what, great podcast on the uh, types and shadows. You know, you're seeing stuff I never saw before. It was uh, really intriguing to listen to. So uh, I do live out in the sticks, so I might lose the signal, so bear with me here. Uh one thing I wanted to call about is, is it was on the news that you guys covered. The talk about ISIS and what America should do. And boy, you know, you're right. It's a, it's a very difficult question to ask. You know, but I have to ask myself, what would Christ have me do? And, you know, I'm going to have to let the government do what it's going to do because it's really not going to listen to me. But uh, I know uh, that the Lord wants us to to love these refugees. Anyone who's ever had a house burned down or things like that, they know what it's like to be a refugee from not having a place to live. They, they're immediately homeless, needing shelter. And uh, I just think it, it's the role of Christians. That's how we should be known, by our love for everyone. Because you can't hate people who are loving you. It's Amen. really, really hard to. And... I'm sure the gospel is more than adequate to win the hearts and souls of any would-be terrorists that we're sneaking in as, as refugees. Uh, I don't think God's weak. I think he will accomplish his work through us if we'll let it. But if we hide behind, uh, you know, hide in safety, it's going to be really hard to... Uh, to reach people in love if all they hear is us yelling at people. So, I love you guys. I really do. So, it is a hard question to deal with. So, bless your hearts for bringing it up. Uh, can't wait to hear uh, your next episode, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Ron. Yeah, that was a really was, good word, man. That's and, good. And you're right on. I mean, we're called to, to love people that are hurting right. and, and that sort of thing. This is one another place, though, where it's kind of like what we were just saying about this blessing and this curse that we have is in this country because we view we have a really hard time here separating what Christianity is versus what it takes to be a sovereign nation, okay? Yeah. There's two different things happening there, and they don't always coexist together. Right. I mean, uh, so, yes— from a Christian standpoint, that's that's right on. We need to be doing that as Christians. But from the nation standpoint, they have to look at it from the terms of national security, security blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, and Christianity and that sort of thing is a good moniker to throw out at a national right. level. But it's really not – you just – they don't – you can't govern to that, right? Yeah. And, and so we're, we're dealing with this – that this is the downside of right. of freedom and 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 whatnot. That's the truth. So. That's the truth. And you know, I I was I was just thinking, uh, people are so worried about ISIS and all that stuff going on and and distressing about the <laughs> the refugees and stuff. You know, the study tonight we talked about. 
Imagine being a Bethlehemite, mm-hmm. having a two-year-old kid, and all of a sudden them walking up and going, "Yep, give me that kid," and killing him right in front of your eyes. You know, we yes. live in a very blessed something uh, that's nation. almost unimaginable from yeah from our our standpoint. It's crazy. So, so we are blessed, man. Well, we got a little bit of time. Do you want to do you want to do some trivia? Bring it on. Where am I? Uh, we are both on uh, history and geography. Oh, but you know what? I forgot one thing. Uh, we had one little other piece of feedback on our Thanksgiving episode. Oh, yeah? I want to give uh, Philip a shout out here. He, he okay. left us a, a comment saying, great episode, good food for thought. Y'all reminded me of something one of my old pastors said years ago, and that has stuck with me. Greed begins where my income ends. Thanks for the show, guys. Yeah, I had read that. Man, that's a really powerful quote. Yeah. Greed begins where my income ends. Yeah. Amen. Which, for me, begins pretty soon. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> History and geography? History and geography. All right, I'll ask first. What archaeological discovery identified ten long-lived pre-flood kings? We've already done this. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, I still can't remember the answer. <laughs> but it was like uh, it was like the it was a wacky word, like the okay, whatever. The wheeled prism. Here, yeah, yes, yes, one. that's what it was. Yeah, okay, okay. Hit me again. History and geography. <sighs> well, you know they get on my desk and they get all shuffled up sure, sure. throughout the week. Two weeks, if you're all right. Okay, here we go. On what site does the Dome of the Rock, a Muslim shrine, now stand? That's so <laughs> Just got through talking about it. Yeah, you did. That would be the Temple Mount. Yes, that's correct. Yay, yay, yay. Give okay. me an easy one. Let's okay. go. Come on, come on. No, I gave you this one last time, I think. Okay. But it ties into what we were talking about. Herodian? Uh, well, the uh, Seleucids. Oh. The Hasmoneans. Um, oh, before the Herodians. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Yes, bring it on. History and geography. Over what land was Ahasuerus king? Ahasuerus. Maybe it's Ahasuerus. No. Ahasuerus. <laughs> You're not helping me. Yeah. <laughs> you- okay. You, you know this guy. I mean, uh, Artaxerxes is another name for him. Oh, okay. Egypt. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Babylon. No, no, no. Uh, one Xerxes. more. I'll give you one more shot. Oh, my gosh. Um, Esther and Company. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have such a brain fart right now. Oh. I can't remember. Who is it? What is it? Persia. Persia. Dad, come it. <laughs> it's okay. You like history and geography, so. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> okay, prophecy. Uh-huh. Okay. What will happen to me tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Okay. Uh, okay. 
what relative was uh, Amram of Jacobed uh, before they married and became the parents of Moses? Jacobed. Sorry, Jacobed. Jacobed. <laughs> Okay, give me the... I was hung up on the names. What was the question again? Okay, what relative was Amram of Jacobed before they married and became the parents of Moses? Um, I'm going to say... Sister. No. Amram was Jacobed's nephew. Oh, so they were Herodian. Yeah. <laughs> but reverse. Yeah. <laughs> Hot for ant, huh? Wow, I should have just done that just because. <laughs> That's so weird. Okay. Okay, you're still on. Yeah, I am. Oh, we already did that Persian. one. Come on. <clears throat> Gosh, I can't believe I've... Okay, here we go. What apostle, according to church tradition was the only one to die of natural causes. John, thank you for giving me one that I can actually answer. (laughs) Okay, so we're both on prophecy now. Okay, all right, right, sounds good. All right, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more... And to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Also, don't forget our prayer site, prayer.theonautspodcast.com. Go there, submit a prayer, pray for somebody, submit a uh, submit a, a confession. Let, let, let us know anonymously right. that you need prayers, and we'll pray for you. Definitely. Subscribe to the newsletter at gctnetwork.com and you can stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. There are several ways to contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Call us on our voicemail line, 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. Oh, and don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. Thank you. All right, Jeremiah. David. Thanks for being here, brother. <laughs> Bye. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972 972- Eight eight five seven two seven zero. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCT Transmission. This is your great commission transmission. I wrote a book.